0: And welcome to everyone who's watching on TV. Hope you're having a good time now, drinking a few beers, smoking a few joints at home with you. All right. Let's spend the night together.
1: All right. Oh, man. Welcome to the Rolling Stone now, studs live know, once again from, I forget what theater we said we were in last time, but from a packed and busy theater in foggy old london town bet your ass baby it is your uh wait the bad boys of the british god this is so i i got so distracted by mixed dancing um we actually do have the rolling stones here they're present and playing for us right now they're gonna be reprising their set list from the famous album get your yaya's out later for us live here yeah. Uh, so we can go track by track with a real band in the room which is something we've never really done before. It was nice of them to get out of their wheelchairs and get up on stage mm-hmm. to perform for us. Yeah, you know, Keith actually hasn't had a blood transfusion in a while just because COVID makes it really it's really hard to make sure you're getting this clean the clean blood yeah. that he needs. Um but he found he found a blood bag today just just to yeah. show up here. It's really good. Uh, welcome to the Rolling Stone Studs. This is Pete and PJ. Uh, Brought to the you show... by the oh. Beach Boys. Boys. <laughs> I'm so mixed around. I'm so mixed up today, PJ. I don't even know what I've said already in terms of the intro. This is we're talking about the baddest boys of the British Invasion, and we are bad boys, and we're Pete and PJ, and I already said all that. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, now now people know that we are bad boys for sure.
1: That's true. That's the I mean, one part we can't skip over at the beginning exactly. of the
0: show. People know the Rolling Stones are the bad boys of the British Invasion, of course. Right. Everybody knows that. Um, but people need to know that we, too, are bad boys who love the British Invasion.
1: Well, and that's really why we want to make it clear that we are bad boys. So then when you slide into PJ's DMs on Insta, you know what you're dealing with, which is exactly. a bad boy. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I have no reservations, just telling you off and saying things like, "Hey, thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate it." And, right. You know, here's Peter's full info, things like that. <laughs>
1: full full contact information. Yeah. L- last five addresses. Here's uh, the, the link model to our of his Zoom first meeting. car that he owned, and where yeah. he had his first job. <laughs> yeah. Just in case things you need like to crack any passwords.
0: Yeah, I, uh, if you want to write into beachboysboys at gmail.com and let us know all those things about you,
1: please. We'd appreciate that. And your we credit would love score. To get to know our listeners a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know your mother's maiden name, the name of your first pet, uh, the story you grew interested up on, We're interested
0: about your heritage
1: and your childhood. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, excuse me uh the other day uh my fiance (laughs) oh um found on facebook there was like one of those i don't know just like you're supposed to answer and then share like they do for a while it was like you were supposed to share like an album cover that whatever of some album that meant a lot to you and then like in the comments name someone to do it next like that sort of shit And there was one that her extended family was doing that was floating around that was literally like 12 questions that were all just the like password safety questions where it was like, what was what high school did you go to? Like, what was your first car? What was how many pets did you have growing up? Just a bunch of shit like that. Where it's like, holy cow, like who is stupid enough? And all her extended family, apparently
0: that's great i yeah. always thought that thing where they're like your porn star name is the name of your first pet and the street you grew up on
1: oh that's funny
0: yeah. that's totally just mm-hmm. trying to get
1: your info Mm-hmm. wait my porn star name is stormy daniels <laughs> that's nuts wow okay yeah your first cat daniels <laughs> Mm-hmm. and i grew up on stormy lane it was a cul-de-sac so wait shouldn't that have been stormy circle <laughs> Stormy Circle, that's what they called uh, something, if you know what I mean. Oh. That's what they call I, a certain part of my body. A hurricane. Too much spicy food.
0: Oh, you
1: bad boy. Yeah. I See, know, this is the I kind know. of bad boy behavior we're <laughs> talking about. We got to live up to the name. <laughs> yeah. Well, PJ, how are he, you? You know, how the hell am I? I am. I'm doing good, thriving. Good, that's right, that's good. I'm, I'm striving th- to thrive, but yep. I wouldn't say that I'm quite thriving yet. I am flirty, thirty, and thriving. And Oh, that's great. Those are the things that you
0: can hope for in this life.
1: Yeah. I've been eating, praying, and loving a lot, but Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, those darn travelling pants just keep making their way back to me.
0: I know. They're so they fit so well on me and so well on you. They
1: do. They hug my little butt.
0: I did bust the crotch out of those bad boys, but you know.
1: Hey, by the I time it got to me, I just did a little bit of a hand sew. And yeah. you know what? Touching the place where your balls busted <laughs> through a pair of jeans, it was really nice. It was meditative. You know, it just makes you feel yeah. close to someone when you know yeah. that this is where someone's ball sack was so big that and, and denim, rubbed on it one of so the strongest much. fabrics made could not handle it. Yeah. It's you got pretty that problem incredible. a lot. I, I jeans- think.
0: Jeans to me at this point are disposable.
1: Yeah, I think this really is a conversation we should be having next week on our album when we talk about uh, sticky no. fingers. But yeah, speaking of that's jeans, that's all right. It's a little bit of a uh, foreshadowing. Wait, right? A little bit of a little bit of a call forward, if you will. A tease. Yeah, there you go. Well, PJ, today we're doing another live mini episode. And Wait, Pete, before you go into that, did sure. you remember?
0: To get your yayas out today,
1: oh PJ, my yayas are out.
0: Oh, thank God.
1: Yeah, uh, I was worried. Just like we were just talking about, I'm free balling and bra-less today. Doing the the double, all the yayas are hanging loose.
0: Oh, perfect. That's and what I meant by thirty <sighs> flirting and not wearing
1: <laughs> Oh, you so. little yeah. Oh. All the yayas are uncovered today.
0: Do you think? we will be on wiki feet now that we've
1: talked about your feet pj the only i want to be completely scrubbed from like all social media except for all the pictures of my feet that are floating around online yeah that's the one thing like i don't want people to be able to find my like facebook page but i want them to be able to see pictures of my feet
0: i mean you did get best feet in high school
1: yeah that's right and that song uh by the beach boys was written about me take good care of your feet pete Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You remember that one? One of my totally favorite Beach Boys the... tunes.
0: Mine was P.J. Willett. You'll fuck. I doxed myself. <laughs> P... P.J. You'll die at ten thirty-five. Yeah. April nineteenth, two thousand and forty-six. That was a it's crazy one. Specific, yeah. It
1: was a hidden track at the end of L.A., which no one got to. No one really got through like the first two no. tracks of that album. So it was actually yeah. like a really meaningless kind of song because I don't know how they expected you to hear it, but yeah once 40 years later when you finally got to the end of that album one day because you fell asleep while it was on you heard it and uh it really freaked you out after the fact it, it really did i mean
0: do How i believe it? was
1: brian's bodyguard after you i don't know <laughs> that's a good point yeah well pj today we're doing are you gonna interrupt me again this time or am i gonna be able to get into the show because last time you interrupted me okay all right okay uh, we're doing another mini app, uh, Pete. Real oh, quick. God, um, damn, it. God <laughs> damn it!
0: I just really want to make sure your yayas are out. Sure.
1: Yes, PJ. Once again, I will go from tip to toe. All the yayas are out. Okay. They're hanging. Loose. We're good now. Free. It's all free you. in the air. It's all. You. It wouldn't be funny if I did it a third time. Uh, no, it could never be. No. Um. So we're doing another mini app on the live albums some would say potentially we could have just done both of these as a single episode instead of quote-unquote wasting everyone's time with doing too many episodes on two (laughs) shrugs of albums but given that they were far enough apart in the band's career it felt weird to do them all together people also love this album well yes i guess i'm showing my hand a little bit by calling it a shrug of an album but um this is a much more famous album than, uh, what was it, Got Live, if you want it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a much more well-known, classically regarded Stones album, as many of them are that we are talking about these days. Hey, hey i played a song from this on my former radio show. Oh, PJ, when we get there, you'll have to mention it. Okay. Um, I don't remember what it was. So, yeah, live albums. The Stones so what's interesting is that both of their live albums were very of the moment in different ways. When we talked about got live, if you want it, we talked about how live albums were like a little bit of a rarity at that point. I mean, I guess the beat boys had one around that era, but they weren't super common, especially for rock bands. Uh, but since the stones were such a attraction live, they wanted to cash in on that. Uh, this album, similarly, they were such an attraction live that there were several bootlegs uh, of fan recordings that were being passed around and sold at record stores and all that, um, that were really, really popular. And so the Stones wanted to... uh, Capitalize. uh, Unclear, yeah, I guess capitalize, but also maybe try to put a stop, you know? Like they wanted to get in on their own uh, popularity there and release their own live album.
0: Speaking of bootlegs, this
1: is uh, not super related, but... I got two. Oh. Yeah, both legs. Boot can go on them.
0: Okay. <laughs> you. Um, have you seen that video of Neil Young going into a record store in, like, the 70s? It was being filmed for a documentary, and he finds an album in the Neil Young section that is a bootleg album, oh. and uh, he just goes and tells the guy, Yeah, I'm taking this. And the guy's like, no, you gotta, you gotta pay for that. And he's like, well, uh, you see, it's my face on the cover. Uh, I didn't make this album, so yeah, this is, this is, is regal, mine now. Kind of. Yeah.
1: I'm a little unclear on bootlegs. Cause yeah, they're sold. I mean, now all record stores are just like used record stores. So the bootleg section is more, I mean, it's the same thing as all the yeah. used vinyl. There's no, cause no company is getting money from it anymore. Um, but back in the day like it kind of surprised me that it was like they would just sell them in record stores still cuz isn't isn't that illegal aren't they illegal to sell it, no they're
0: super legal and it was always yeah. like cd uh record stores oh, as far okay. as i know okay. yeah
1: it's just um, wild to me that that was a th- i mean i guess in the days before like by the time cassettes existed i assume you would just get a cassette made by a friend or whatever mm-hmm. but back in the days of vinyl when you couldn't just transfer vinyl very easily um, it is crazy. It makes sense that you had to get it, it from made. somewhere, yeah. but it's still weird that you could walk into a store. and It's
0: insane to me that somebody took the time to take their shitty uh, like, yeah. live recording on some tape recorder to press yeah. onto vinyl.
1: Yeah, well, and it goes to show how popular the Stones were, and especially, so the bootlegs and Get Your Ya-Ya's Out were all of their 1969 American tour, which was their... I think their first full U S tour since like 1966. So obviously they were musically and just in the popular consciousness, like much bigger by 1969. And it was a much bigger deal that they were touring the U S. So it was just a big deal basically. And if you went to the show or didn't go to the show, you wanted that recording, no matter how crappy it was, maybe. Right. (laughs) So I get that. Um, Yeah, so Get Your Yah-Yahs Out came out in September of 1970. Um, They took all of the songs mostly from shows at Madison Square Garden, and then one of the songs came from a show in Baltimore for some reason or another. Um, Really sad that they didn't include any Altamont tracks, in my opinion. But it would have been nice to hear... mick calling for an ambulance on this record i think yeah i think just really yeah. shown what it was like
0: it's charming mm-hmm
1: it's charming oh someone someone's been stabbed okay all right let's get into sympathy for the devil okay yeah let's go that kind peace of stuff is really what you want to hear yeah, yeah peace peace and love peace and... brothers and sisters <laughs> that's what i was. think i <laughs> did we i feel like it was on our altamont episode that it would have been incredible if they called this Brothers and Sisters just cool out. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um which Get Your Yayas Out is okay. That album name by the way, it comes from an old blues song, kind of like Got Live if you want it. Um uh where there was a a lyric about like get your yayas out the door, which in the original song was supposed to be a euphemism for ass. Oh. Um but, I know, but the Stones reinterpreted it to mean tits because, you know. Hell yeah, brother. They were, they, they're boob guys, PJ. I think it's clear by everyone. Everyone involved knows that the Rolling Stones loved boobs.
0: You know what my one uh, weird talent is? What's You that? name a band, I can tell you if they're boob guys or butt guys.
1: I was going to say being able to just walk up to anybody, but. Yeah. No, I love the band. it's the okay. bands. All right, let's do it. Mm-hmm credence clearwater revival
0: oh tit guys for sure you think so yeah and they okay. only refer to them as tits nothing else
1: right right not knockers not jokes <laughs> no. <laughs> okay no that's more of a leonard skinner thing oh okay i was gonna ask leonard skinner they're up next yeah. they're knockers guys yeah yeah interesting okay uh let's go let's go hey they came up last week the flying burrito brothers <laughs> oh they're they're butt guys for sure. You think so? Yeah. But they don't they don't like the butts that all
0: of us normal millennial age folks like. They like those
1: flat asses. Oh sure, they love butts, but they like them when there's no shape to them at all. They like <laughs> a flat ass. Yeah, I do feel like, um, I do feel like all of this is definitely an era where flat ass giant tits was the oh ideal body right like yeah like i don't know that there would have been like anybody who was like oh i love asses because yeah that's where the poop comes out of, so it's kind of (laughs) gross
0: that's true i see for many years i thought the poop came out of the boobs so that's why they're brown
1: poop pee vagina same hole right as far as i know yeah um i remember i think about this all the time for some reason when there i have two things of like when i was a young teenager like fifth this is from one story is from fifth grade one story is from seventh grade when you're like just starting to find either the same or the other sex attract but you're just starting to find sexuality as a thing and finding people attractive sexually and then me not getting stuff yet so first of all in fifth grade which I would argue is a little young to be starting to get into, you know, like being in sex. For this guy. PJ says no. One of <laughs> our teacher went to a Denver Broncos game, which was a huge deal to us growing up uh, where we grew up in Montana because there were no professional sports teams at all around us. She Anaheim. went to a Denver Broncos game. She brought back, like, the program from the game to our classroom, and we all looked at it because we were all, you know, football-loving kids. And there was a section in the program that was pictures of all the cheerleaders, and I remember my friend John – I guess I won't say his last name. <laughs> um, although, Will cares? you say his last name for me? Uh, Sure. It's John I think. Anyway, my friend John was looking at the cheerleader pictures with me, like, after – school in the classroom and he just pointed at one of them and was like don't you want to squeeze her boobs and I was like no <laughs> what are you talking about why what would ta- anyone that's where the do poop that? comes from yeah exactly and I was so weirded out by it and then in like seventh or eighth grade ish I was hanging out with like a friend of mine and then a couple friends who are older like late high school and one of them had a job at Burger King and was telling us all about his job at Burger King and was like, there's this really weird girl that I work with who's always like hitting on me and one time she told me she wasn't wearing any underwear at work and I my reaction out loud to everybody was like, wow, that's really gross what if she has to go to the bathroom? (laughs) and they were all just like, no, it's hot what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, that's nasty she'd get like pee everywhere (laughs) Uh, i'm so
0: glad i know that story i know
1: right isn't i think about especially that second one i think about all the time because it's like i just fully and for like probably a few years after did not understand why that idea was sexy at all because i'm like that's just so gross seventh grade's a little late pete your bathroom parts are just out there (laughs) I mean, it's still objectively sort of gross. Uh, I think, not to bring up my fiancé again, but one of her favorite things ever is she read somewhere a while ago that, like, nudists um, carry around butt towels because, like, whenever they sit down, they put down, like, a little towel underneath them so that whether it's, Hmm. like, sweat or anything, like, they aren't leaving any bodily marks they're leaving on, any like, snail trails and stuff yeah which is so fucking gross to me <laughs> so, it's courteous i guess i mean it is it's definitely courteous but it's also just like it gross. you know it's makes you think about the function of the human body in a way you don't necessarily want to all the time <laughs> so that's fair so anyway the rolling stones <laughs> definitively tit guys. guys yeah yeah um, so they named the album name. That's what we were talking about. Um, so let's see. Their, this tour, the 1969 tour is the one we talked about last week that ended in Altamont. Um, their openers throughout the tour were Ike and Tina Turner, awesome. um, Terry Reid, who is a British, like, blues guitar guy, I guess. Unclear whether he was playing solo or with a band. And then B.B. King at most of the dates, and some of those he was subbed with Chuck Berry, which is a pretty fucking insane bill. I don't Um, know, was B.B. King popular yet? I think of him as not getting super popular until later, I guess. I grew up thinking of him as, like, a... Crossroads. Eric Clapton, crossroads kind of guy. So I think
0: that's when he got bigger again, but he was like making music in the 60s.
1: Mm hmm. Okay. So anyway, a pretty stacked bill. Like, and. I listened a little bit to the deluxe version of this album that's on Spotify, has a full disc of Ike and Tina Turner and BB King songs, yeah. and especially the Ike and Tina Turner set is fucking amazing. Oh, it's good. They're yeah. just doing like a greatest hits of 60s soul songs, and it is so fucking good. So. Um, yeah, they
0: uh, there's one where they do Son of a Preacher Man, and it is yes. fucking awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Ike and Tina Turner are are amazing. I need to get a little more into them. I've heard a couple songs here and there, but through this podcast, I feel like we keep running into them, and every time I hear them, they're blowing my mind, so. It's good shit. Uh, This was the last Stones tour to feature just the five band members with Ian Stewart. So, I mean, really, the six band members uh, without, like, a whole bunch of touring musicians, horn players, extra guitar players, stuff like that, Um so that's kind of another reason that this album and the bootlegs from this tour are. They weren't big then, obviously, or big for this then because people didn't know yet. But now they're really big to Stones fans because it's like more of the Rolling Stones as a pure rock band, even though they're playing arenas. Um, before they kind of turned into more of this tour y, i I don't know. Um, yeah. Band. So. Okay. The cover for it is also very I don't know about famous but it's I would say it's kind of iconic I knew it before yeah in the doing this show I gotta know the story behind that so according to what I read so it's the cover photo is Charlie and a donkey on this like country highway uh carrying the donkey's got drums and a guitar over its back and then Charlie's carrying I think a banjo and a guitar it looks like um it was apparently inspired by some song, a Bob Dylan song, Visions of Joanna, which I don't know that one. Oh, yeah. There's a lyric, jewels and binoculars hang from the head of the mule. Um, but I don't know. It's very unclear how that, like, how they got there. Uh, apparently in Gimme Shelter, which I think we're going to watch at some point and talk about more on the show, but apparently in Gimme Shelter there's a whole section where Charlie and this donkey are like standing out on the road and like talking about getting the photo taken. But what's confusing again is that that session was not the session that the actual album photo came from. So it's like, they really did it twice. That's weird. Um, And like, I don't understand really quite why they put that much effort. So anyway, (laughs) it's kind of cute though. Yeah. So, but on it, Charlie is wearing all white, he has white jeans and, like, white sneakers on and a white T-shirt with boobs on it, of course. Uh, and then a, like, Uncle Sam hat, basically, I think, for lack mm-hmm. of a better <laughs> description. That's exactly what I would have called it. And then the donkey standing next to him. Um, according to Charlie, except for the hat, that was his usual tour outfit for the 69 tour. was just all white jeans, sneakers, and a T-shirt. Cool. Um, and then the hat, of course, was mix oh obviously yeah mick mick at this time period owned so many top hats it's actually pretty nice he had a whole closet just for the top hats not even to not to mention the feathery hats
0: oh it has to double when you talk about the feathery hats yeah didn't um weren't we talk or that photo of taken of brian jones before he died uh when he was, like, hanging out with the photographer and he went upstairs. Mm. Didn't he go upstairs and grab an Uncle Sam hat and a gun? He went upstairs
1: and grabbed a, a an American flag shirt. It was, like, a button-up That's shirt right. that was Stars That's and right. Stripes. Yeah. 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 So they loved the American flag. It's funny because I'm, like, kind of surprised all the American flag shit was a thing back then. It feels like, I don't know why, it feels, like, out of place in the 60s to have someone walking around in, like, an American flag t- um button-up shirt but
0: uh abby hoffman wore really like famously wore an american flag shirt he's the guy so in forrest gump when he like goes up on stage there's a guy wearing the
1: american flag shirt Uh, that's supposed to be abby hoffman i believe oh okay yeah i know i love love that movie you do love the rolling Stones songs featured in it and uh I, i know that scene well exactly yeah before, I think maybe the last thing, oh, a couple more things before we get to the track by track. Uh, this was the last album released through London and DECA. Uh, their DECA contract contract ended, I think this was the last album of their DECA contract. And then London, obviously, was just the distributor in the U.S., so it would end right. at the same time. Um, and then they also had one more single due. Uh, which they wanted to get out of their DECA contract, so they sent DECA a single called Cocksucker Blues and then they issued Jumpin' Jack Flash or something instead. <laughs> yeah. So, um so this is their last album on London and Decca, and their first album, not studio album, but their first album released that's has Mick Taylor on all the tracks, because obviously he was on Let It Bleed a tiny bit, but so was Brian. So um, This is the first time Stones fans who didn't see them on this 69 tour would have heard uh, Mick. Right. And uh, these bastards overdubbed this album, too. (laughs) I know I was kind of expecting since this is supposed to be like the classic, you know, uh, great Stones live album or whatever, or at least one of them compared to Got Live If You Want It, that they would maybe have not done that bullshit, but no, they did just as much overdub. They didn't didn't do the studio tracks with crowd noise on this one, but they overdubbed mixed vocals on every single song except two, which is insane bullshit, if you ask me. They dubbed backing vocals on a handful of tracks, and then they dubbed the guitar on two songs. So not quite as much as on Got Live if you want it, but still enough that... Still too how much. How the fuck do you call it a live album? That's just... Yeah. Do you think it would have been better or worse if it had been an actual live album? I assume the sound would have been worse because, like, the reason for the overdubs, I assume, is if it's, like, the vocals are really muddy or the guitar got lost in this one song because we're just hanging mics from the rafters. Um, uh, yeah, fair point. Like, I assume they're doing it because the sound quality was bad, but... Like, if those fan bootlegs were at all decent... I mean, I would rather hear, I think, a bootleg that's really raw than hear, like, this maybe. It's just less interesting yeah. to me once I know that it's not actually them live, basically. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. So, although I should get into... I should try and get into Stone's bootlegs. I have a handful of bootlegs from other bands from this era and uh but obviously not being into the stones never really dove into those but it might be worth looking up a a really good one supposed to be from their 73 tour and then i forget the name of the one in 69 but there was one that's also supposed to be really good from this tour Hmm. uh so get your yaya's out went to number one in the uk and number six in the u.s and are you ready to do this track by track i am
0: ready if you are pete
1: pj let's fucking do it
0: jumping jack fly
1: i do like the cut together intro of i'm guessing intros from like a ton of different shows that they recorded and then they're just laying them on top of each other that was
0: cool yeah Yeah, i really like that idea
1: It's interesting to me, I feel like a lot on this album, they will change the riffs of songs just, just a tiny bit. A little bit, yeah. And it's like, is that because it's maybe easier or more fun to play live? Is that like out of boredom? Is that, do they kind of like this better somehow? It always makes me curious when bands do that. And this album has plenty of that, We're like that Jumpin' Jack Flash riff, it's like just slightly bluesier than the original. Yeah and you're like yeah. I wonder why. It it my guess uh, having like
0: you know played songs live they do like morph after a while into like yeah. a different thing and that's why everybody who records albums now is like you should do all of your stuff that's going to be on the next album live first because then you get mm-hmm. the version you like playing the most. Right. Yeah. Um, that makes
1: sense. So. And it seems like the Stones in this era actually do a lot of both. I mean, in the earlier right. 60s, they were definitely recording first and then playing and live then, later. Yeah. But in this late 60s, early 70s, there's there's both. Like on Sticky Fingers next week, which we'll get to. Um, we've already done some research on and stuff. And like a lot of those songs, they were playing live in their 69 tour and then recorded yeah. for Sticky Fingers. Well, so they had kind of worked it out beforehand.
0: E- even that video we played when we talked about uh, Brian's death, uh, mm-hmm. They were playing Satisfaction with Brian, and then it came out on the album
1: without oh, yeah. Brian. Yeah, right. Or yeah. not Satisfaction. Uh, you can't always get what you want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is fine. I mean, like it's it's fine.
0: Yeah, it's I very. Say fun. there's
1: anything special about it.
0: No, it sounds kind of like the studio version, but live. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have some thoughts about this. We one. have Carol. Yeah, a real old school one. I also have a lot of thoughts, but go ahead. It's so slow. Yes, it's... why the fuck?
0: <laughs> it it sounds like they just learned it for a middle school talent show. Yeah. I, I'm I mean they're nailing it for a middle school talent show, but like as the Rolling
1: Stones, are you fucking kidding me? It is really we will get to this more later in this album, but why the hell are they slowing this song down? Like it's like Almost half speed, I feel like, yeah. of the album version. It's so slow. It's so weird. And then also, they do they have two Chuck Berry songs on this album, and it's like on the ones where Chuck Berry wasn't playing, sure. But like he opens sometimes. And like if he, also yeah. it's a live album. You guys have so many hits at this point. Why the fuck are you including any Chuck Berry covers at all? Yeah, like why, You're the why Rolling bother? Stones. Do your own shit. Yeah, like this is a ten-song album. And it's like they probably have at least twenty-five like huge songs that they could include on a live album at this point. Yeah, that people would be excited about, and they like do. They have three covers they, on it. They have ten certifiable hits. Yeah, at like this number point. one. I don't know if Just they're all number put one. put all those but on Huge there. hits. Yeah, it's know. really odd. I this whole album track list selection I find very odd, and especially throwing Slow Carol as number two. <laughs> Yeah, number two. They're always terrible at number yes. two on the album. We, always. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if we jump to track three, exact same thing of, like, Stray Cat Blues yeah. was one of my favorites off Bagger's Banquet. Maybe my favorite song from that album that I hadn't heard before, at least. And then this one, they slow down to, like, half tempo. And why? I wonder if, like, if
0: Charlie is setting the tempo or if, like keith or mick is setting the
1: tempo and he's just following i don't know it's just it's so odd because as we talked about on got live if you want it they were speeding up a lot of songs and we yeah. found that really cool like it was really cool hearing like do you see your mother baby like as a just punk song, basically. yeah exactly yeah. and so then it's really weird that then you jump to like four years later and they're taking a bunch of, like, these aren't even super fast songs, but they're no. making them all, like, slow to mid-tempo songs for some reason. And I don't, yeah, I don't know why. It's, Maybe are they just trying strange. to go for a different, like, groove live? Are they, I don't know. Oh, Peter, we forgot that they're
0: playing it live here in the studio.
1: <laughs> What's uh,
0: that? I said I for, we forgot that they're actually playing it live here at the arena. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: We could ask them, but they've refused to talk on mic. Ironically. Yeah. Yeah. They no. will only sing, but they don't really want to be like full guests on the yeah. program. Yeah. You know,
0: and if we wanna, if we want to skip to the next song, we just snap at them and yeah, exactly. Give them a hand motion. Just wave them on next.
1: Yeah. Um, Love in
0: vain. Yeah. I, um, I will I will give this album this compliment. It the instrumentals are I wouldn't say good. They're, they're they are good. Um I don't know. They're like
1: They're Forget I said anything. <laughs> um this song to me sounds basically exactly like it did on Let It Bleed. I didn't yeah. very much like it on Let It Bleed. And I don't really much like it here.
0: <laughs> and also,
1: I, it's the third I, slowish song in a row at the beginning of a Rolling Stones concert. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing? See, I like this song. Yeah. Why is it here on the album? It's like they—it's like they're trying. It's it, its they are at this point. They have to be actively trying to make me upset because they just are yeah. over and over again. <laughs> it's so. Weird. Um. The, the, the instruments sound good on this album. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah, um, uh, they do. Yeah, like the recording, I would say is. I mean, although some of it was dubbed, but yeah, um, it's clear, I think the guitar you know? overdubs were only on. Where did I write this down? Little cute Queenie and Stray Cat Blues. So like Love in Vain, this is just live. It sounds like the recording yeah, it's, is definitely improved it's in a few. It's crisp. Years. Yeah. 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 All right, Midnight Rambler. Yeah, I really liked this one off Let It Bleed, and seems like, because it's kind of a jammy, longer song, seems like it could work live to their advantage. it is a nine-minute song. Is it on this album? Yeah. Really? For some reason, it didn't feel that long to me listening to it. In my head, I was thinking they actually shortened it up from the record.
0: This is maybe the highlight of the album
1: I like it so far yeah they're playing it at the normal speed which is crazy refreshing I
0: believe this is the end of the a side yes which makes
1: sense yeah
0: Anyway, it's pretty good. I'll skip around. You want to, yeah,
1: go a little deeper into it. I don't honestly really remember the jammy part of this. Oh, yeah.
0: See, this was one where it seemed like they actually took it live, and it's good. Like, it's really interesting. Uh, I wish the whole album could have been.
1: Oh yeah, it's much, it's about two minutes longer than the album, album version.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna skip to the very end. It
1: just goes back. Yeah. I mean, I don't dislike this, but it didn't particularly stick in my head, I guess I'll say. Yeah. All right, Sympathy for the Devil, live. <laughs> <laughs> and then I loved getting the late, Black, nah. Paint Maybe if she
0: got her yayas out, they would paint it black. For her. Do you think that recording of the woman saying that was uh, the lady we were talking about on Altamont?
1: Yes. Oh, the it's n- the same. Yes, yes the same yeah. one. Yeah. for sure. Wait, the naked one or the one who just looked really happy the whole time?
0: Oh, no, the lady who was, like, yelling to to Mick, and they were talking to each other.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. The third weird lady in the crowd. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, this is solid. I like kind of it's... like those under-my-thumb live versions from earlier in the 60s. I like this as, like, a little bit stripped-down song live. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I don't know, not that much better to me. It, it's different. It's different. But I don't know if it's better.
0: No. Anyway, let's go to the woot woos. That's not where the Woo woos are, but...
1: Eh, anyway. it's good the guitar is really good on it
0: yeah it's very good on it uh live with me live
1: <laughs> um so they this one also really reminds me of under my thumb where they take like a part of the song and just turn it into this guitar riff that underlays the whole thing instead of I feel like on live with me this is maybe piano doing this line um this sounds so much like Led Zeppelin to me, honestly, cuz they have like the guitar and bass both playing this riff the entire time. And it it very much sounds like a early 70s Led Zeppelin. Yeah, cuz it's like heavy like that. Yes.
0: Here, let's uh let's do this real quick.
1: Oh yeah. i guess it's just the bass doing it the whole time during the yeah. verse at least yeah, and then on this but, one yeah the guitar jumps in with it which is a very yeah.
0: i mean if you have two guitarists on stage and one of them's not doing anything
1: right all right yeah, yeah this I, one this one was really I like really it. like this one this is one of my favorite stone songs we've talked about so yeah. far uh the album version and i really really like this live version with that guitar riff happening it's super cool it's very good yeah plus they lose the saxophone solo which is all aces for me
0: no dude i love the saxophone solo (laughs) um
1: a little queenie live uh a chuck berry cover that i don't think we've heard the stones do at all so far i don't think it's shown up on any album not
0: that i remember At
1: at the very least it's a shrug as are all their chuck berry covers basically yep See, I
0: really like that intro and like the build-up, and then it does not pay off.
1: No, and like again, they're doing it slow for
0: some reason. It's just so... I don't know why you would want to slow down a Chuck Berry song. Yeah. His whole I thing don't... was like, I'm going to play the blues really fucking fast.
1: Yeah. I don't particularly like this and do not understand why they would ever put it on an album. Nope. Um, Honky Talk Women, live. And then, again, they slow it so they slow it down so much. Yeah. It's so weird.
0: Which, the, the only defining thing about their last live album or any of their live performances is that they're sped up and they're right. like, this is, like, rock as shit.
1: No. I will say, I although it really throws me off, I actually do like this version of Ponky Tonk Women quite a bit. It's not better than the studio version, but I like it. I mean, Honky Tonk Women,
0: to me, cannot be a bad song. Yeah. But I just wish they would have done it normal. I don't know.
1: I kind of like slow, like they have the crowd clapping along. Like, it's a real stomp clap song when they slow it down this much. Like, I get maybe for this one why they did it this way live. Makes it into more of, yeah, that, and like it's easier to sing along on the chorus and stuff. This song just fucking bops, dude.
0: Our last one, Street Fighting Man. Street live Fight Man. I would say they did pick a good song for that. For the out The yes. last song Yeah And this, I do This like, rules
1: They I don't know whether it's Keith or Little Mick But someone's doing like new guitar licks In the verse And I really like that Like added in It just adds a little extra dimension to it live And yeah. it's good I take back what I said about
0: Midnight Rambler earlier This is the highlight of the album Potentially Yeah This was the best song
1: This was good. Um, um do you want to hear the full set list from their Madison Square Garden shows? I would love to. Okay, this isn't. This is just from one of the dates. I think they did like four shows at Madison Square Garden, but this is one of them. It's fifteen songs. Uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Carol, <laughs> Number Two live. Jesus Christ. Uh, then Sympathy for the Devil. Stray Cat Blues, Love in Vain, so even fucking live, they insist on. Yeah. I'm and then Prodigal slow. Front-loading slow. Interesting. And then You Gotta Move, so like six slow songs in a row. What the fuck? What the... Uh, and then Under My Thumb, I'm Free, interestingly. Uh, After Midnight Under Rambler, My Thumb. Live With Me, Little Queenie, Satisfaction, Honky Tonk Women, Street Fighting Man. The last... Pretty good set list. Half Very- of that show... Pretty very good. heavy on the blues covers yeah like that's two chuck berry covers two love in vain robert johnson prodigal son is a uh, robert wilkins like so a bunch of blues covers and just a lot of slower songs interestingly especially when they slow down songs randomly
0: yeah Maybe that's just hear? to Oh, okay. let Let's, see. Let's get B.B. King,
1: Ike and Tina Turner, and Terry Reid's set list. <laughs> oh, the Terry Reid page exists, but no one added anything to it. The B.B. King set list exists with three songs. Number one, Why I Sing the Blues. Number two, Unknown. Phenomenal B.B. King song. Number three, Why I Sing the Blues. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not official. Okay, the Ike and Tina Turner one's pretty good. Land of a Thousand Dances. Hell yeah. And then it says with Jimi Hendrix? Really? Uh, that cannot be true, but I yeah. hope it is. Uh Paper Airplanes, I don't know that one. Respect, Son of a Preacher Man, Come Together, and Proud Mary. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm just gonna so. play um That's a good that's a good show, man. That would be a pretty great show to be at. Oh, yeah. And I'm plus an play, MSG yeah. bro.
0: I'm just going to play a little bit of this from the deluxe version. Oh yeah, please. Tina Turner has like the way that she opens a song up and then it's just like this fucking groove is the coolest thing because she does it. I feel like with every single song.
1: Yeah. After this, we should do a tad of proud Mary too. Yeah. But they, they always do this. Like they have a
0: formula to what they're doing. They always started out like, Slow and then fucking raise yeah. that shit up every song. Only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher, man. Only one who could
1: ever teach
0: me was the son of a preacher, man. Yeah, and then Proud Mary, which is my favorite Ike and Tina Turner
1: song. It's really good, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so the song that I had played from get your yaya's out on, uh, the radio was this one. (laughs)
1: Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is really good, man.
0: Yeah. So Pete, I don't think we're bothering rating live albums. Uh, uh, Uh,
1: I don't know. We can, I feel like, I think we did with, uh, we, we
0: did a hypothetical, but we don't, I don't think we wrote it down.
1: Let me look, man. I kind of feel like we did. What was that one called? Got live. No, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I th- we'll give our rating, but
0: I don't think it's Yeah, official. we could
1: rate this one, but I don't know if it counts, counts. It's no, like it doesn't a count. 5 out of 10. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I said... I would- if I remember I before, correctly, before, but the yeah. the joke on Got Live If You Want It was that it was a shrug out of ten or something, and I kind of yeah. feel like that still applies here. Like it's definitely better, but a live album has to be really fucking good. I feel like for me to listen to it over a studio album, and this is not even close to like really fucking good. So
0: no, it's it is a shrug. You're right. Yeah, meh out of ten for
1: yeah. PJ. Shrug out of ten. Great. Okay. Like I. It just it honestly just makes me think how low was the bar for live albums in 1970 that this was incredible, you know. I
0: mean, how how many were coming out, you know? Not many.
1: Yeah, it's just not that great. I don't know. Like it's no, it's definitely solid, but especially not... for for how much people, yeah, for how much people love it.
0: And like I get yeah. it there weren't many live albums coming out at the time or yeah. like well recorded live albums. This is relatively well recorded, but it's not Man. an amazing just, album by yeah. any stretch. I have
1: to feel some of the bootlegs are much more interesting than than this is, but yeah, maybe not. I don't know. To to kind of back that point up, um, the Rolling Stone magazine, the, not band, the band. Okay, <laughs> Jesus, so uh, every time it almost gets me. The Rolling Stone magazine review of this album when it came out, um, was basically like eight paragraphs about the author being like, Concerts suck now and then at the end being like, But this concert was really good, so this album's great. And just like That's it's really hilarious. weird. He like name drops like eight different rock bands and like in their album or in their live concert sucks and their live concert sucks and And then he's like, Is the Rolling Stones album only good because every other concert sucked from this from that year? And concluded that yes. Ah. Huh, interesting. <laughs> it, it was good because everyone else sucks. What is your favorite live album? Uh, that's off the top of my head. I don't know. I, I would say the only live stuff that I've gotten really into are a couple of like Pink Floyd live bootleg things from the seventies that I really like. Um,
0: I mean, the correct answer is song remains the same,
1: but yeah, that's true. Live, live Led Zeppelin from like the, 1974 ish is oh actually thanks for bringing up led zeppelin my favorite one is how the west was won which was a double album bootleg from i think 1971 or so from them playing i think it's from like two shows from la and san francisco or something and it is perfection on every (laughs) song yeah yeah so but yeah i mean there's some good shit but i would say Get your yayas out is not it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's been "Get Your Yayas Out" by the Rolling Stones. Yeah. PJ, I'll Pete. see you on the other side of that stone rolling away. And-
0: and and i'll see you uh and i'll be ready to roll next week A Beach Boys Boys production.